Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello, fellow constructionists. Let's talk for a moment, meditate for a moment, on this idea of life from birth to death, the whole scope of human existence. It really is quite a staggering thing, isn't it? When you think about who you are, where you were born, why you live where you live, what you do with your life on a daily basis, the language you speak, the education level you have, the people that you relate to, your relatives, your friends, spouse, co-workers, whatever it happens to be. Every single person has a plethora of different influences and different circumstances and different elements of their life that make them uniquely them. That's just the way it is. I've been to a number of countries around the world And it just boggles my mind the scope of the human experience. And I find it fascinating. I really do. And I want to talk this time and meditate a little bit on this passage in Psalm 71. It's a beautiful psalm. I would highly recommend that you spend some time really thinking through it, read it, uh, get a good grip of what it's trying to say. So let's just go through it uh, on this podcast. So let's start with verse 1. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. So right there at the very start, the prayer of the psalmist. It doesn't say who it is or anything like that. This is just a prayer that is being put out there to God from some person who needs God to listen to them. And he says... uh, In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. To be to me a rock of refuge, verse 3, to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. So this imagery shows up fairly regularly in the Psalms, this idea of God being a fortress. But I love the way the Hebrewisms put it. God is a my rock. God is my fortress. And you need to really go through the Psalms and circle every time that phrase, you know, God is my whatever. God is my shade. God is my portion. God is my um, whatever it happens to be. It's always a personal thing. In the Psalms, it's always personal. God is my something or other. Here in the West, when we say, who is God, we like to say, oh, God is omnipotent, God is almighty, God is whatever. But in the Hebrew way of thinking from the scriptures, it's always personal. God is my rock. God is my fortress. God is my salvation. It's always the person, it's always a personal thing because God is a personal God and that's what we have to realize. Verse four, rescue me, oh my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. So here we are again. God is my hope, my trust. This is Yahweh who is doing this from my youth. So like I said, 
Oh, verse 6, upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. So this idea of the whole of life from birth to death, that's what this psalm is covering, is every aspect of our life. So here the psalmist is saying that God was there from the very beginning, from before we were even born. God looked down and recognized that we were to come into the earth. This should really cause us to pause and consider any view we may have on the legitimacy of abortion or something along those lines. Well, abortion, obviously. Uh, If God recognizes humans before they're even born, it says. Uh, Let's read that verse again. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. Now this idea of leaning on God before birth. Do you realize in Colossians it says that in Christ all things consist? And in Peter's epistles, Second uh, Peter I think, or maybe First Peter, you'll have to look it up. He talks about the very elements, that's what the Greek word means, the very subatomic elements of the creation are going to be remade in fire, almost as if God is this gigantic cosmic blacksmith and he plunges the whole of the universe into fire and reforms the whole thing to something new. I mean, that's what God is going to do in the future. Those of us who follow the Lord and love the Lord and walk with the Lord will obviously be saved. Um, well, actually, I mean, the human soul is an eternal thing. And so our essence, our being, our, our, our self-consciousness will survive this. But God's going to reform everything. And so, uh, so our very, our very uh, physical essence actually does depend on God. Our, the atoms in our body depend on God to give uh, us, to give ourselves our form and our being. And so we really do lean on God from before the womb. Uh, Verse 7, you have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. There it is again, my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. So now we're getting old. We're looking ahead to our future, to when we're gray-headed and hanging around. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me, those who watch for my life consult together. And they say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. You know, the earth, the, 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 the ruling powers, the ruling... What's actually motivating much of the evil in the world is Satan. He's actually overseeing much. So whenever we come across these passages... Uh, in the scripture, especially in the Psalms about the wicked and things like that. You know, we can ultimately aim that stuff to um, the devil and the demons and the fallen angels that are functioning in this world because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers in heavenly places. That is the highest um, thing that we need to be praying toward. And so we can't, as humans, actually directly Uh, interact with those things, but we can certainly pray through our prayers. That is how we interact with those things and how people can be, how people are changed. Okay. 
So my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him, pursue and seize him. There's none to deliver him. You know, you can hear the devil saying that about Jesus when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the devil could say actually this, God's forsaken him, pursue and seize him. There's none to deliver him. But that's not true. You know, God actually does come through even when it seems as if he's not there. He is there to those who are faithful to him. Verse 12, O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Um, that word help there is Ezra, which is the name of one of my sons. Uh, may my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. Isn't that marvelous? The salvation of God, um, the deeds of salvation are past our knowledge, the amount of them that God has actually done. Now, bear in mind that salvation in the New Testament sense is past, present, and future. Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the dead in a historical moment in time in order to accomplish what was necessary for our salvation. So at that moment, salvation was made possible to all humans of all time. I'll put it that way. But we come to Christ in our own moment, in our own day and time, and appropriate that salvation by faith. So salvation is past and present. We may have been believers for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and looking back to the day that we first believed, but need to recognize that right now, right this very moment of this day that we are living in, we need God to come and save us from ourselves or a situation that we're in or something like that. Salvation is present. And in the future, even if our body dies, God will come and he will resurrect us from the dead and all that is evil will be destroyed and judged and then we will live new and abundant lives with him. Uh, salvation is future. So salvation is past, salvation is present, salvation is future. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day for their number is past my knowledge. See how that works? Our salvation is ongoing, present, continuous, continuous. Verse 16, with the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. You know, there is none righteous but one, and that's God. And uh, all of our righteousness is naff. It's pathetic. It's pittance. It's dust compared to the righteousness of God's, which is why we need to appropriate his righteousness to ourself. He is our righteousness. Verse 17, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. This is a big goal, a big commission right here. Verse 18 is vital. From verse 17, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds, even so to old age and gray hair. 
Do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. This is very important. You know, are you, do you have children? Are you passing on the things of God to your children? Are you encouraging them to read the scriptures? Are you encouraging them to, in prayer? Are you encouraging them in service uh, for God's sake and in, in living out a life of godliness to them? And are they going to then recognize that they need to pass that on to their children? Are you living faithfully? Are your children, you know, I've actually asked my oldest son, who's now 17, I've actually said to him, you know, is there anything about how I live my faith that you think is not lining up, that is hypocritical? You know, I've, I've taught a lot of Bible studies and I have said to my son, you know, are there things that I say in my Bible studies that you would say you're not doing that on a day-to-day, you know, day-to-day level? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing to do, but it's something that we need to ask. And I dare say that there are a lot of people out there who would call themselves Christians. There's probably even a lot of pastors out there who, would, who are leading churches, who their, very, who their children would just look at them and say, you don't live that at home. You know, and I think that that's a sad, sad commentary. I've, uh, I'm, I remember this one chap who was talking to a girl who was about to commit suicide. Her dad was a pastor. I remember another girl that I knew uh, directly, and her dad was a ministry leader. And she said she was afraid to read the Bible because she was afraid to think that maybe she'd find out something about it that would cause it to be untrue. And her dad was a ministry leader over hundreds of people and, you know, and, and you know, oversaw a whole section of, you know, a world's ministry team, you know, a ministry, a whole section of ministry from a worldwide ministry. And she was afraid to read the Bible because she thought it might turn out to be untrue. So we can't have this kind of thing happen with our children. We need to be living it so that we can pass it on to them. Uh, Verse 19, your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You have done great things, O God. Who is like you? I love it there, the high heavens. You know, one of the names for God is most high. We need to seek out the most high God. And when we seek out the most high God, uh, when we humble ourselves before him, God will meet us and God will lift us up to him. So your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is likely like you. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. Now, these are interesting phrases here. Notice how it says again, again, again. So, you know, there's time, we're like, um, we're like the stock market, you know, up and down and up and down and up and down. We're like the moon. It goes through phases. It goes dark and then it goes light and then it goes dark and then it goes light. That's true of our life. We think that's the case, uh, that we are going through these terrible cycles over and over and over again. And this is why it says in verse 20, you have made me see troubles and calamities. Uh, You who have made me see troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I am not saying this is an excuse to be lazy. It's not an excuse to be uh, to let sin reign in your life. It's not a, an excuse to not overcome. It's not an, an excuse just to say, "Oh well, whatever." God's working. God's still working me within me on that. You know, no. It's we should always be forgetting what's behind and pursuing 
God in everything we do. Have the attitude of Paul in Philippians. He said, I forget what's behind and I press on toward the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. He doesn't let these things get down. If you've got some issue in your life uh, that you're having trouble overcoming, are you into pornography? Are you struggling with homosexuality? Are you lusting after another person when you're married? Are you uh, fat and need to lose weight? I mean, can you not get over your issues of gluttony or gossip or controlling your tongue or something like that? Then get a Bible, lock yourself away for half a day, a full day, two days, fast and pray about it. I mean, that's what you need to do. I had that exact thing happen in my life. There was something I could not overcome. I kept it a secret. It was something that I didn't want other people to know. Eventually, uh, my wife and I w- had to go through it. She found out. I felt idiot. Like I was, oh, I felt terrible about the whole thing. I confessed. That was five years ago. And I have, I, all I can say is God has allowed me to overcome that. I, I give it all to him because I know how many years I went through was struggling with that thing. And it was embarrassing. I was ashamed. Uh, but it was, but I took, you know, I confessed to him, to my wife. I confessed to another close uh, friend Someone who was close to me, I took half a day off work, I fasted, I took my Bible, and I just laid it out before God. And that's all I could do. And God gave me the ability to overcome that. I I have overcome that. That doesn't mean there weren't temptations, and that there aren't temptations, but those temptations are overcomable. Something I didn't think was even possible before. So that's why I'm saying, if there's some issue in your life that you know is a sin, then for crying out loud, grab a Bible Lock yourself away for a day, fast, pray, and God will, and you're seeking God. That's what you're doing. So, and he will bring you up from the depths. (laughs) He will take those troubles and calamities and he will revive you is what he will do. He will give you a life. I love that Hebrew word there, chaim, life. Um, It's a beautiful word (laughs) in all of its, all of its uh, connotations. But, um, You will increase my greatness. God will increase your greatness and comfort you again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness. Uh, I lost it. Verse 22. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness. Oh my God, I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For you have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. What a beautiful psalm. You know, it's about overcoming. It's about the greatness of God. It is about our birth to our death. It is something that we can grab hold of and say, God is working in me and on me and through me. And I am endeavoring every moment of the day to seek him and put him first in my life. You know, and you can do a, like a major checklist of your life. What, life. what are the big things? Are you, do you have parents above you uh, that you still live at home and need to learn to honor them? Are you uh, a parent yourself and need to raise your children you know, and teach them in the ways of the Lord? Are you a spouse? Do you need to learn the correct relationship to have with your uh, significant other? Are you... Uh, an employer? Are you honest with your finances and upright with your dealings with all your customers? Are you, uh, you know, honest with, with yourself? Are you trying to, I don't know. I mean, what are, what are all the things in your life? 
All of these things need to be put under uh, the submission of God. You need to let him have control of each and every one of them and be challenged to set these things right. You know, are your finances right? Are your relationships right? Is your parenting right? Is your uh, times with the Lord something that you cherish? Uh, Are the scriptures something that you try to align every bit of your life with? Are you seeking God to... um, you know, to sanctify you and to make you holy, to boost your prayer life. You know, these are the things that we need to be bearing in mind all the time. And I know I can look at my life and go, oh, there's stuff here and there I wish were better. Uh, But ultimately, you need to be pursuing the Lord. And if you're married with your spouse, pursue the Lord. If you have children, uh, uh, teach them to pursue the Lord. Take them on a mission trip. Uh, make sure that they're reading their Bible on a daily basis and that you're reading your Bible on a daily basis and that you're seeking the Lord and that you're doing these things. These are the things that God loves. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and everything, and he will lift you up. And remember that from the day you were born to the day you die, God has numbered all of your days and make them count for him because what we do actually does count for eternity. We need to make sure that that is what we're living toward. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.